0: thank you chris chuck fran and uh for downscaling in the midst of the uh the play and again this is twelfth night i know jay wants me to mention that i think the last performance is today but so if you can make it that'd be great but more importantly uh, i want to get to god's word and before we do that please uh would you join me in a word of prayer heavenly father i thank you again for everyone here i thank you that we could worship that we could celebrate as a family now i pray that uh Again, that that hearts would simply be open because you are speaking to us and that we would hear clearly and precisely what you would have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so tomorrow is uh, a big day for some of us or some of you. It's Valentine's Day. And uh, I'd like to offer a word of advice. Please beware of what I call, what my wife and I call, the Valentine's Day Massacre, okay? Okay. And uh, now you may have heard of this, you may think you know that, you know, it was this mob shooting in Chicago early in the 20th century. But it happens every year to many couples with the best of intentions. And what happens is either a dating couple or a married couple can plan the perfect evening on Valentine's Day and it turn into a massacre. Biting heads off, you know, just arguing, feuding. Uh, it has happened to us twice. Um, once when we were engaged we survived. We're here standing. Hasn't happened in a while. Knock on whatever. But um, you need to be aware. And here's why it happens, okay? Um, I've, I've thought about this a lot. It's because you are going out, and it's Valentine's Day, and you want to celebrate love and everything. And you have this idea that, you know, you have the perfect significant other, guy or girl, you know, he or she is perfect. And then, and then you go out, and maybe that night, you know, you build it up, are you plan the perfect evening, but something just small or slight happens. Maybe, you know, maybe the the girl is, you know, guys we go out, and maybe the girl's wearing the dress that you told her that, you know, you just weren't that crazy about, it, if you had that much guts to say that. And she still did, because she likes it anyway. Or, you know, maybe as a girl, the guy, you know, you're relying on him to pick just the perfect setting in this ro- most romantic se- setting, and he chooses, you know, yeah I don't know, I mean, his favorite... You know, restaurant or or steakhouse or whatever and and, you know you can just sit there and you know be silent most of the night and you you have these perfect night and perfect dreams planned out and uh, it can build and build and build and then you know the massacre happens I hope that will not happen to you Um, pray that it won't but uh, it is possible we've experienced it some of you may have experienced it but I think you know again the reason it happens is because we have these ideas of perfection perfection of a person whether it's a guy or a girl, perfection of a day, of an evening, of an event, of a date. And um, as we all know, life is not perfect and people are not perfect. And sometimes those bubbles get burst on those special things that we build up in our minds. If you're here last week, I started a series and I'm calling it Love, Lies, and Lust or Our Search for a Soulmate. And I hope To humbly show you in the next month, one thing I want to show you, and we talked about it last week, was a void for love that we have in our lives. All of us have some great void for love, okay? And often we try to fill it with the love of a person or a family member or a spouse, and we buy into the lie, what I hope to show you is that we buy into the lie that a person can fill that void, and we also then... Because we buy into that lie, whether it be a spouse or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or even some other family member or just someone that we want love from, we buy into that lie. Sometimes we can even start living a lie. As in, you know, if you're single, because you want that significant other and you want to have him or her, you may start being someone you're really not and living a lie. Because you want that significant other or because you want love, you can, it can also lead to things like lust. Okay? And then if you're married, you can also live a lie. Because you have this idea, this image, you know, of the perfect happily ever after. And then when it doesn't happen, and you still want to put your best foot forward, and you still want to, you know, let people see, hey, you know, happily ever after is is going on. You may, you know, have your marriage as a lie. Or, you know, you may be in the midst in your marriage of an affair, but you may be still living a lie. And it all happens because there's this void in our life. And we say, someone else, a person here on earth, can fill that, and ultimately they just can't. But we do have a void, and it is meant to be filled by a person, Jesus Christ, and God through Christ can fill it if we'll let him. So that's what we're preaching on this month. Today, I want to focus in on the lies of love, okay, and specifically two lies, one that you can find, and, and this is, it's a positive sermon, okay, so it's not, it's not depressing. But the first lie is that true love is found in a person, just the lie of true love, you know, that there's a person out there, that there's someone special, and that's true love, and he's going to be, or she's going to be with you forever and loving you and all, all of that, okay? First lie. You may not think it's a lie. We'll see. Second lie is that love lasts forever. Love is eternal, Okay? Now I don't want you to take my word for this and this is not like some self-help, some marriage seminar or anything. We're going to strictly look in God's word, in the Bible and see what scripture says and that's why I call it a lie because this is the truth and the truth um, it just doesn't add up to what we're hearing sometimes in culture and I think so often in our lives, I mean, we grow up and we live a Christian life and we go to Sunday school, but we actually don't know the truth. We actually don't know what's in God's word about love and about dating and about marriage. And so what I want us to see is, is the biblical truth to these things. And I, I hope, again, I hope your hearts are open because I know God is speaking through his word and I hope you'll hear what he has to say. So first I want to deal with the lie of that there's a person where you can find true love And and that that person, that significant other, will totally fill the void in your life, okay? Let's look at John. uh, If you have your Bibles, John chapter 4. And I'm going to read a familiar story. It's the woman at the well, John 4, verse 7 through 18. Again, as you're getting your Bibles, John chapter 4, starting with verse 7. It says, there came a woman from Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? Because Jews don't have any dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us this well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to him, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him shall never thirst. But the water that I give him will become in him a well of water, springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw. And he said to her, go go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are correct, for you have said I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you have now is not your husband. This you have said truly. I'm going to break this down for you, okay? So here's a woman from Samaria, Samaritan woman. Now, Jesus is a Jew, she's Samaritan. And they have no dealings with each other. And this woman actually since birth, raised since birth, has been excluded from much of society. I mean, the way Jewish people looked at Samaritans were like they were filth. They didn't touch them. They didn't, you know, associate with them. So she has been raised through life feeling excluded. Feeling shut out. Feeling literally probably spit upon. Nothing. Okay? And then... Jesus goes on to tell her that, you know, she's had five husbands and she's living with a guy right now. She's shacking up with a guy right now. And so, you know, I don't know this woman, obviously, personally, but I can presume that this woman, in feeling excluded and feeling left out and feeling like she has no one and that there's no one who will give her comfort and give her love, is reaching out desperately to someone, to men here, And saying, you know, love me. And she's probably been used and abused. And she's at least had five husbands and now she's living with a guy. And still there's this empty void. And still she feels like she's excluded. Still she hasn't found what Christ calls the living water. And here comes Jesus. And Jesus sits down and he talks to her. And he said, I will drink of the water that you give me. And she said, why are you doing that? I mean, that, that does not happen in this culture, in this society, in this life. Why are you doing that? Jesus talks to her. He visits with her. He takes her, her water. And then he says, if you knew, if you knew that I could give you living water. And she says, I, I want this. Because her whole life has been about finding that, really and truly, trying to fill that void. She says, where can I get it? And Christ ultimately says, well, it's found in me. And not only will it just, you know, fill you and sustain you and quench your thirst, but it will be like a well that will will flow up in you and out of you and that other people can have it and see it and that you could give to other people. It's the same for us, okay? Now, I'm sure that there's some of you here that have never felt excluded in all your life. Maybe. I know I have. But maybe you were always Mr. and Ms. Cool and, you know, always felt so content and so self-secure. But honestly, I believe some of us at some point have always felt an exclusion. And I know all of us have this hole in our hearts and this void in our life. And sometimes, because of our exclusion, we can reach out and we're desperate and we're searching for love. And be it a guy or a girl. And I, I know both. I mean, I know people who have been fiercely excluded or not loved by their parents, be it their mom or their dad or, you know, not had love and support in their life and they they need that desperately and not known that Christ is living water. Maybe they, maybe you just knew Christ as like, you know, a Sunday school or just I gotta go to church and this is the rote thing and this is what I gotta do. But this is the truth and the Bible says, I mean, clearly that what we need is Christ and his, his living water that can, can be like a, like a well in us that can flow up and not just, not a stagnant pool, but it's life. And Jesus is also saying here to this woman, again, married five times, okay? Shacking up with a dude. He's saying you can have it right now. You can have it right now. No matter what you've done, no matter what is going on in your past, you can have it right now, a changed life. Living water flooding through your heart and your soul and your life. It's the same for each of us. You can have that right now. But we buy into the lie that that's not really real because church is just something you do. Or even best case scenario for some folks, it's like have a good life, have a happy marriage, and you add religion in there as like one of ten things to do. But Scripture says it is life, and everything flows from that. And that's what we want that's what I want you to have and not buy into the lie that the, a person here is going to fill that void that he or she never will they won't Christ can and then he can make your life and make your marriage so much stronger if you'll just accept the water that he can give and will give freely now another lie I want to get to and this lies a lot of the reason we buy into the lie of that there is true love in a person because we also hear about love being forever. And a lot of our, a lot of our kids, a lot of our, our family ministry, I mean, we grow up and we see love stories. I talked about it last week in movies, film, love songs. We hear all about that, about, you know, you know, find true love and it goes on forever. And some of you here may feel like you found that. You, you may believe that you have true love and that it's going to last forever. Okay? I'm here to say, that's a lie. We're going to see why. It's not necessarily bad. It's just, I mean, we want you to have great marriages. But that a person and that romantic love of a husband or a wife, it's not going to last forever. And again, don't take my word for it. Let's look into scripture. One other passage in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And this is kind of a different passage, and I'm going to break it down. 1 Corinthians 7, and I'm going to start with verse 29 here. And I'm going to read through verse 35. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 29, it says, This I say, brothers, Paul's writing here, this I say, brothers, the time is short, so that from now on those who have wives should be as though they had none. Those who weep as though they did not weep, and those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they did not possess, and those who use the world as though they did not make full use of it. For the form of the, this world is passing away. But I want you to be free from concern. One who is unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world. How he may please his wife, and his interests are divided. The woman who is unmarried and the virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and spirit. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. This I say for your own benefit, not to put a restraint upon you, but to promote what is appropriate and to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. Again, this is kind of a a different passage about marriage, but breaking it down, I want to show you a couple things. The first is Paul is stressing, time is short. He says this twice. Verse 29, again, he says, brothers, time is short. And then in verse 31, he says, the form of this world is passing away. And the actual literal Greek meaning of that word short is constricted. Paul is saying, your life, your time here is constricted. You do not have a lot of time. And what I want to say to all of us is our time here is short. We think that this is all there is. We think this is the end-all, be-all. It is not. And this time is short, okay? So many of us know people who have died suddenly. Some of us may know people who have died suddenly recently. That, you know, you just get a phone call or or an email. Either someone very close and very dear or someone who, you know, friend of a friend. And they've passed. Passed. And it's, you know, you may have thought they were going to live forever, and they now, hopefully, they're standing before God, rejoicing in heaven. But they died. One thing I'd love for you to say to, I'd love to say to you um, who are, uh, let me say this, wiser out there, you know, wiser. And uh, and we have a few of you guys um, in 50s and 60s, uh, maybe some 70s, but... Um, I love you all, by the way. I I love that you're here. And uh, I want more wise. I need some wise folks in my life. And I want them here in our Bellwether family. But, you know, one thing I'd say to you, because I think about this too, is, I mean, the the percentages, you know, the older you get, the percentages aren't good. And, I mean, they're not good. I mean, But what I I really want to say is this, is that sometimes, and I see this in, in, you know, my grandparents and parents, they can be so concerned about this world when guys, I mean, let, let's be serious here. I mean, it's it's getting close and any day, any day all of us could stand before God. But I mean, I'm serious here. I want you to take this stuff seriously. I mean, you could stand before God. And, you know, I want you to just be be realistic about that and be real about that and be open to that and, and just know that in your hearts and start, you know, truly getting your life. I mean, right with God if, it, if it's not. And I know all of you wiser here. I mean, totally right with God. I'm not saying anything like that. But, but I mean, I, I just say that. Time is short. And I want to remind us all, but particularly, you know, the wiser in our, in our church family. Time is short. And for all of us then, all of us could, could go at any time. And time is so short that we're here for a greater purpose than just to fall in love. And just to be married and be happy, and live happily ever after. I mean, there is a greater purpose. If we have Christ in our life, if we have Christ in our life, then we have a greater purpose, and that is to show others Him. That is to live for Christ. That is to serve Christ. Because one day, all of us will stand before God. That is That is the truth. We will stand before God. And what Paul is saying here is, I want you to be undistracted. Because the time is short, and you need to know that. And one day, all of us will stand before God and... We're going to give an account of our life. And, you know, I heard one pastor say it so well. He's like, you know, time is short, man. I don't have time to fight with my wife. I mean, I don't have time to be concerned about some of these, these trivial things. Now, I haven't totally bought into that as a pastor. Um, I'm trying to. But seriously, time is short. And I want us to make the most of this time. And that there is something greater... You know, if if you're single, there is something greater in your life than just finding that significant other. And if you're married, there is something greater than your married life, and that is your life with Christ. And again, one day we're all going to stand before God, and what I want, what I hope, is that we can give a wonderful account of how we have shared Christ in our life, maybe to our spouse, maybe to our family, maybe in our church family, maybe to others that do not know him. But time is short. That being said, marriage does not last forever. There is something greater. There is something greater than marriage, and that is living with Christ, living for his kingdom. But marriage, okay? Now, obviously you can go back into Genesis. Genesis 2 says, you know, man should not be alone. Man and woman together. That was good. That's the way it was meant to be. Jesus even refers to that passage when people ask him about marriage on this earth. He says, you know, a man shall leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife, and they be one flesh, and that's, that's marriage. But then someone asked about marriage in the afterlife, marriage in heaven. And we need to be really clear about this, guys, okay? Matthew 22, and uh, you may not want to turn to it. It's just a few verses, but you can write it down and look at it later. Matthew 22, 29 through 30. Jesus answers and says, You are mistaken not understanding scriptures nor the power of God. Listen to this. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. She said it again, "In heaven, they neither marry or are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven." Now, I don't know if you believe that. It's it's in scripture. It's what Jesus said, and if you believe he's the Messiah. But you know, for for me, that makes me uh, that makes me a little sad. You know that. We're not going to be married. Lynn and I aren't going to be married in heaven. Some of you, may, you may be fired up. Maybe like, oh man, I can't wait. Um, Seriously, so could be. Um, hope you're not. But um, possible. But you know, really understanding this. I mean, we can't fathom what heaven, heaven is going to be like. I mean, I think it's going to be so great and so awesome, and like you know, the greatest rush you've ever experienced times you know ten. whatever, we just can't imagine. It's going to be just so wonderful. So, I don't even think, you know, Lynn and I have talked about this. I mean, I think we're going to know one another. I mean, we are going to be angels. And, you know, there may be some folks there that you thought weren't going to be there. I mean, some of some of you folks who may have gone through a divorce, I mean, you may just be sure right here that, you know, your ex is not going to be there. And you may bump into him one day in heaven and be like, wow, you made it, you know. Um, <laughs> never th- But I think, you know, in just the bliss of heaven, then y'all might want to get like a heavenly cup of coffee, you know, just talk about old times, I don't know, never can tell. But I do think heaven is going to be so wonderful and just powerful that, yes, we'll know each other, but we're just going to want to give glory to God and be thankful. We just can't imagine it. But here on earth, marriage was definitely created, that we would not be alone, and it's blessed by Jesus Christ. But that institution, I mean, you do say when you take vows, till death do we part. And there's an end to it. And so my, my point in all this is that, you know, buying into, I mean, there are some, you know, shows or stuff written that, you know, love is eternal. And, you know, you just go on and on and on and give me a break. I mean, it's not in Scripture. That's, that's not the truth in Scripture. So, yes, we want strong marriages centered in Christ here. But also knowing that there is still a greater purpose, and that is to glorify Christ, so that we will be together with him in heaven. And then finally, time is short. Marriage is not forever, but what Paul is really trying to say in this passage, 1 Corinthians 7, is that for each of us, our primary devotion should be to Christ Christ. Look at this, verse 35 again, 1 Corinthians 7. Paul says, I say for your own benefit, not to put a restraint upon you, but to promote what is appropriate and to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. See, Paul is writing here to people who are single and people who are married. And he's saying, most of all, what is most important, regardless if you're single, regardless if you're married, I want your devotion to be undistracted and that your primary devotion goes out to the Lord jesus christ he writes before that he says you know if you happen to be single and you can be more devoted to christ as a single person then paul says stay single then he says to married folks if you can be more devoted to christ being married then please be married because you can be more devoted to christ now one of the just little personal story linda can tell you that i was no good devoted to christ as a single guy um my dating life, she gave me an F+. plus. She gave me a little grace with a plus, but pretty much an F+. Plus. And I'm not trying to say, hey, this is a cool dude. I mean, it was real, and I harmed my life, and I harmed other people's lives. And that's just not, it's nothing like me trying to repent. It was just, it was in the past. But I would be no good devoted to Christ as a single person. And I know now one of the reasons, well, the primary reason that I'm married to the woman I am is because she helps me more and more be devoted to Christ. And that's, that's what I want for, for all of us. And I want to help her be more devoted to Christ. And so I would say, you know, if you're single here today and, you know, you want to be married, and I think that's a, that's a great desire, you know, God created marriage, blessed by Jesus Christ. But I would really urge and stress to be looking for people And saying, will he or she help me be devoted or more devoted to Christ? And that be the number one gauge of who you date or who you're hanging out with or who you're getting a couple. Will they help me be more devoted to Christ? And if you're married today, here, can you, you and your spouse, help? Can you help each other be more devoted to Christ? It's a great day to start because... You know, one of you may be devoted to Christ and one of you may not. You may be unequal in your spiritual life. But like I said last week, if that is you, if that is your situation, those of you here who are devoted to Christ, you can say, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep that devotion. He is my primary devotion. I'm going to commit to this marriage. And regardless what happens, regardless what happens, I want my spouse to see Christ in me. You can do that. And the prayer that I have is that he or she would see Christ in you and would begin to become more and more devoted to Christ through you. One last verse. You don't have to read, I just want to mention it, but it speaks to all who are unequal in their marriage in terms of their spiritual life. 1 Corinthians seven fourteen, Paul says, The unbelieving husband is sanctified through his wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified through her believing husband. That's a big deal. And, and I want to speak again to married couples that are unequally yoked. Those of you who are devoted to Christ, you are sanctifying your spouse. And I praise God for that. Keep on. Get more and more and more devoted to Christ. And I believe that, that Christ is working on your spouse. And that will, he, Jesus, will lead him or her, not only to Christ, but to you together as one. Closing today, I would say that we can easily buy into the lies of love. The lies are that a person's going to fill our void, that it's going to be true love. The lie of love goes on forever and ever with that person. The truth of Scripture is that only Christ can fill it. The truth of Scripture is that our time is short, and we have to make the most of it. The truth of Scripture is that marriage, as good as it can be, as blessed as it is by God and by Christ is only for our time here. And the truth of Scripture is that number one above all else is that our primary devotion of our lives, of our marriages, should be to Jesus Christ. Last thing I would say, let's say there are two poles, okay? And it's a husband and a wife. And if they don't know Christ, or Christ isn't in their life, and they're still seeking to fill that void, and maybe the husband or maybe the wife is just is trying to come over here and say, will you, will you fill me? Will you love me? Will you give me what I need? But see, if both the husband and the spouse, and I'm talking to single folks here too because this is what I want you to look for, if both the husband and the spouse are looking upwards and setting their sights on God and focusing on Christ, then I believe it becomes like a triangle. The more you're looking at Christ, the closer he is going to bring the two of you together. There is no better time, there is no better day than to start right now. I don't know where you are totally in your spiritual life. I don't know where you are in your married life if you're walking together in Christ. But each of us, all of us can start right here and now if you're single out there and you have this desire to be married and it's a, again a great and wonderful desire I hope you'll start today saying I want to seek out someone who will help me in my walk for Christ and if you're married above all else you will say let us be centered in Christ and if one spouse doesn't agree with that then you just keep staying more and more focused and centered on Christ and I believe the Holy Spirit will work there's no better time to start than today to say yes I've been I've been living a lie yes I've been buying into all these lies yes marriage is wonderful but there is something greater yes love life is great but there is something even more important and that is our life in Christ and that is our devotion to him may we all have it here may we all have it now and if you don't have it may you start today I go back to the woman in the well five husbands Shacking up with a guy. Jesus says, I want to give you living water right here and now. You can have it. You can have it. Today. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I pray for I pray for our relationships. Um, dear Lord, I know that there are those here that are single. I know that they may be in a relationship or maybe just coming out of a relationship or maybe seeking a relationship. And I pray today they would start and just say, it's... Is the person I'm looking for, are they going to help me become more and more devoted to Jesus? Dear Lord, I pray for the married families that are represented here. I pray that today you would just light a fire in them to be more devoted to Christ. I pray for those who are unequally yoked in marriage, dear Lord. I pray that that other spouse who is searching would see you in their husband or in their wife. I pray that you would shine forth through them. I pray that we can be a family, dear Lord, and that we can say, yes, love is wonderful, and yes, we're going to celebrate that in marriage, but more importantly, time is short here, and we want people who are centered and devoted in Christ, and then in that, their marriage and their families can be strengthened. I pray, dear Lord, that people would see that. I pray, dear Lord, that people would start today. Chris, Chuck, and Fran are going to lead us in an invitational song. Our altars are not out today because of the play. I still invite you to stand and sing. And you can come up here and kneel if you'd like to. If there's someone you need to pray for or pray with, I as pastor, our Jeremiah Prayer Council, will be here. Happy to pray with you. And most of all, if you want to start today, if you want to start today and say, the primary devotion of my life is Jesus Christ. And I hope you will do that. I pray that you will do that you can do that in your seats, you can do that with someone up here, but I hope you'll start.